You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast and I'm here with Catherine. Welcome. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you, Annie. Thanks for having me. Oh, so glad to have you. So why don't you sort of take us back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? So I grew up in, in a village in Somerset in the southwest of, um, of England. And um, as a kid, I, I was really interested, uh, quite fascinated, I think, with alcohol. Um, I think it seemed like this, this ad, you know, special adult drink that I wasn't allowed. So I was quite fascinated by it. And my dad used to make some homebrew in, in the garage. And uh, so I used to sneak out there and take little sips of that. And then I worked out that if, at Christmas... If I asked for the Father Christmas's sherry that we leave out in, on Christmas Eve, if it could get left in my room, um, so then I'd be able to, to drink it and my parents wouldn't be able to say anything because they'd have to break the, the myth of, uh, of him not existing. <laughs> um, so that was yeah, a little something I worked out as well. So I had this kind of real interest in it. And my parents let me have a few glasses of cider and things when I was young as well. So, um, but when I got into my teens... Um, and I started drinking a bit more, a bit heavier with my friends. I found that I absolutely loved it. So as a kid, I had a bit of a kind of a sadness in me. I sort of felt like an outsider quite a lot, which I didn't really understand. Um, so I sort of just kept it to myself, really. But when I was drinking, it felt like it liberated me from that. It was suddenly I found something that kind of just made me feel really good and gave me that kind of connection, I guess, with my friends. So we started drinking quite a bit heavy, about age 12, 13. So we were fairly young. But from then on, it was me. I was the instigator of any kind of drinking. I was as, doing it as much as possible. I was not eating at school so that I could buy a bottle of cider after school. It was any, you know, any opportunity I could. So absolutely loved it. But this feeling of kind of being an outsider, not fitting in, this sadness just got stronger and stronger. By the time I was 15, I had quite severe depression. Um, although, again, this is back in the mid-90s and no one really spoke about stuff like this. I didn't understand it. Um, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And so I didn't speak to anyone about it. Um, and I just kept on using alcohol as a means to escape. But it got to the point where I got to 17 and I actually started to plan my suicide. It got that bad. But obviously, <clears throat> I didn't go through with that. And I managed to kind of put all my energy into finishing my school and moving to London. I wanted to get out of the village I was in and just move to London, be somewhere where it was big and exciting. So I went to London initially to go to university, but then I didn't attend university really. And I found myself a bar job. So I started working in a pub, which I loved immediately, absolutely loved bar work. I was around, well, obviously around drink all the time, around people who like to drink. Um, it became a real kind of focus and priority. So, so that I loved. And I loved the kind of the buzz and the busyness of the work. Uh, it gave me a bit of an adrenaline rush, especially on those really busy nights. So, yes, I kind of fell in love with bar work there. But this kind of normalization of drinking every day obviously wasn't that helpful for me. It kept it. I was then drinking a lot, drinking after shifts, drinking on Friday nights when we're cleaning the lines, pulling all the beer through. You know, we're all drinking that. Customers buying us drinks that we'll have at the end of the shift. So there's this real culture of drinking, obviously, in the bars. Um, and then 
so I was getting into really bad states, passing out. So I was about 20, I guess, when I started, well, at 20 or 21. And so I was a fairly young girl and I sort of passed out on the streets in London, falling asleep on public transport and ending up in sometimes completely different counties, ending up waking up in places that I didn't know, um, other people's houses that I didn't know. And in all this time, uh, I was raped twice. I um, was in countless other situations where I mean, I was in no fit state for any consent, but I've got no idea really what the situation was. And so there was this cycle of shame and every day I was waking up and I was hating myself so much, but I was putting the smile on, going into the bar, pushing it all down and then drinking again at the end of the night, just ending up, you know, in the, in these states again, over and over again, I was really stuck. But at the same time, I was also working my way up the ranks in, in the pub um, and I was working my way up through a management trainee program and ended up running um, a, a quite a large pub in central London um, by the time I was 25. So I was the youngest manager in the company and, um, and I was really good at it as well. I was achieving record um, profits and turnover. I was also given a title of um, ale champion for the area which was like I was kind of like a beer specialist for our area and I literally got paid to go out to beer festivals go to tastings to then feedback on new beers and things um, so I was literally getting paid to drink there so so you know I still love this I was still ending up in in really bad states um, and my mental health was was getting worse and worse but I just I was still managing to to push it all down and to put on this, this facade, this kind of shiny exterior that's needed for, for hospitality work. And sort of, I guess, just pushing it away from myself. Um, so I didn't really know a lot of the time what I was feeling. Um, I was just, just drinking through it. And then eventually um, I met someone, one of my customers actually, um, a guy that I started going out with. We really hit it off. He was a big drinker. So um, we were always out, out going to gigs, um, going to pubs, uh, having a good time in London. Um, and eventually we got, uh, we got married. And this was at a time, I think it was just before my mental health again started to go, to go downhill. My work was suffering. I wasn't able to kind of hide the... The, the, well, the unhappiness, the depression, I guess, um, anymore. It was just becoming a bit too much. And I ended up leaving my job that we were in. And my husband um, was a South African guy. And we decided uh, to go and live in Cape Town in South Africa for a, a couple of years. As he wasn't enjoying his job particularly. Um, and I'd left mine. So we thought we'd go and experience something, um, a new life. So we went out to South Africa, had a really good time lots of uh, vineyards wineries out there as well so um, it's a lot more drinking but I couldn't work out there due to a lot of different visa um, restrictions so I got quite lonely really and again mental health was not doing good and I was still just drinking but I was drinking on my own a lot more while he was out at work um, waiting to um, waiting for him to come back so eventually we spent two years out there and the, but eventually came back to the UK again and then I picked up pub management again and sort of and quickly just got back into that cycle of that culture so I kind of felt like I, I was trying to escape my situations when my mental health was bad and my drinking was kind of out of control I kept moving and I kept trying to 
to break free of it. I didn't know how to get myself unstuck, but these geographical movements just didn't really make any difference. It was just following me, following me around. And then one day, uh, six years ago, I woke up. I couldn't remember the night before. I had a bad feeling I'd done something um, that I shouldn't have, um, perhaps with another guy. I wasn't, I, I didn't know. And so it's, it, I just said, right, I've got, I've got to stop. I have to stop drinking. And then I did. I stopped and I thought that was that. I guess I just, I, I again, kind of just got this new identity, I suppose. Right, I'm not going to drink now. I don't, need to, I don't need to talk about it. I didn't want to even discuss with anyone why I'd stopped drinking. It was, um, I just said, oh, I've just been drinking a little bit too much. But yeah, I don't, don't want it anymore. And that was fine. And for initially, a few things got better. I started sleeping a bit better. Um, I started to find some enjoyment in other things. But then I guess what was buried underneath all the alcohol just was was bubbling to the surface and I couldn't really ignore it anymore I just knew that I was I was very unhappy so I was in a fortunate position where we had a bit of spare money to access some therapy so I started um, seeing someone having some therapy and I it was it was strange um, it's like I was getting to know myself for the first time because from from quite a young age everything was hidden under the drinking so um, yes, there was lots of things coming up. And one thing that kept coming up was I kept having, there were issues around sex all the time. And I thought that it was because of assaults and, and situations that I'd been in. I thought there was trauma behind them. There, there probably was, to be fair. But the more we, we dug and the, and the more I got to know myself, it turned out that I realised that I was gay at the age of 39. So, so that was actually a, a, quite a surprise. And... Yeah, ended up then finished uh, leaving my marriage. Well, and you know, ending my marriage, keeping very good friends with my husband, and completely starting a new life at the age of forty. And yeah, that's kind of where I am now. I guess I'm a year. It's a year later now, and I'm only just starting to kind of starting to to look at the drinking. I guess a bit more. I thought just by stopping drinking, I'd I'd sort of done it. But then there was something actually that I heard you say once, which was about how goals should be now not behavior focused, but it was something else. I can't remember what Emotion. it is. Emotion. That's it. Yes, that's it. So it's about how you, how you should feel about something. I just thought, yeah, the abstinence that will do it, and yeah, and it, and it didn't, you know, of course. So, um, so yeah, since I've sort of started looking at that and, and almost trying to diminish. The, the power or the the priority that alcohol has in, has in my life now I just actually don't want it at all anymore it's not yes yeah, not something that I'm interested in um, I don't think it will make my life any better or make any evening any better with it so yeah it's been been funny I thought so the last six years of being sober it's only really been the last year I think that I've really started to kind of make peace with it and and actually that's probably the wrong, the wrong word but to really embrace it and to realise how good it is for my life. Whereas before I was just feeling a bit sorry for myself, I think. And, um, and just, yeah, just trying to move on. So, so yeah, that's my, um, that's my story, really. So what was that uh, transition like for you to go from, you know, basically five years of abstinence, but not feeling peace, you know, still feeling very mentally engaged by alcohol, how did you move from that to where you are today? 
That's a good question, actually. How did I move from that? I think it was um, it was starting to access things like these podcasts, other ones that I listen to as well, um, more reading around it, and then trying to find people that I could talk to about it and actually make sobriety a, a bigger th- part of my life. I just wanted to hide. I think I felt shame about it because I felt that my drinking was tied in with with a lot of other, you know, all the other bad things that happened. And if I I didn't really like to talk about it. And so I felt shame about the whole thing. Whereas I guess some of the, the therapy of kind of helping me come to terms with that and make peace with that. But also, yeah, really embracing sobriety and embracing, um, yeah, just life without it. I think that's made a massive, massive difference. And do you, can you identify like any of the things that you really believed when you were sober, but missing alcohol versus what? sort of things you believe now that you feel like it has less of a hold in your life? Well, I, I guess the main thing was, is that I did always believe that that I was missing out, I suppose, that I would never really be able to have as much fun as other people. And yeah, that was, that was the main thing. But actually, I've had so much fun discovering other things that I'm interested in now. I go mountain biking's been my sort of latest hobby of the last year or so. I love sort of any kind of sports and it actually I'm quite happy to go out to other events where other people are drinking and I'm still accessing the kind of the buzz that I'm getting from the social sort of social situation friends that I'm chatting to I think that's the main difference is that I don't feel like I'm missing out and actually I feel like I'm I'm gaining more because I can wake up in the morning and not waste the next day and um, yeah that's that's the main thing that's great and you mentioned a little bit about your social life, but how is how has your social life been? How was it right at first when you kind of were white knuckling it and you just, you know, kind of stopped without looking at it at all, just kind of, and then how is it now? Yeah, I think um, at the beginning, I just wanted, I wanted to carry on and do everything as normal, but just not drink. So I was still in pubs quite a lot and, and it was just reinforcing this this idea, I guess, that I was missing out again and again. And then I started to realise that a lot of the people that I was hanging around with were just drinking partners and actually didn't bring any anything else into my life. We weren't really friends. Yeah, it was just sort of just people I saw that I used to drink with. So I've gradually let a lot of them drop away and there's been the kind of the core friends that have have stayed but I've actually gained more friends over the the last year from getting involved in loads of other activities that yeah that's really my social life is is better now but in a different way I guess yeah did you ever find it uncomfortable to tell people you weren't drinking yeah and I still do sometimes um it's that pause afterwards I think of people you know if I'm meeting people in a bar or someone's asking what I'm drinking I'll say oh no I don't drink and then I I don't know whether I'm supposed to fill there's always a gap (laughs) to fill a gap with some sort of explanation as to why um and I'm still I don't think I've quite worked that one out yet either so yeah but with people that I that I know and I'm close to that I've got no issue and actually I quite like talking about it now but but yeah I'm still working on that one I think yeah, that's a good one. I like to just say nothing or just say, yeah, 
like I'd like to just say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a little bit more awkward. That's interesting. Yeah. That's and is there any other, you know, missing out? Um, is there any other thing that, you know, really had you had you st stuck before, at least mentally, that really feels free to you now? I guess um, it was, I thought that's how I could manage, how I needed to manage my sort of troubles with mental health, I suppose. I was... Yeah, the, I need like it's like I needed the alcohol to feel that ease. Um, although I don't think that ever it ever actually arrived. It was that that chase, I think. And I think yeah, I was stuck in that kind of loop between yeah, drinking to kind of um, self medicate, but also that making it worse and and it going round. But I did think yeah that I wasn't sure how to cope or how to cope with stress if you, if you had a stressful day what to do that kind of thing and naturally I don't I tend to keep things to myself I'm trying to learn how not to do that but I I found that without having the alcohol it was just things were just churning inside me a bit more but now I've found that sport is really helpful any sort of activity or going to the gym or getting out on a bike or something like that I've also um, really got into writing as well over the last couple of years I've been kind of journaling but also writing some articles about um, working in the hospitality industry and, and sort of dangers of sort of developing alcoholism and, and stuff like that. I've tried a, a bit of painting, doing some art. I play the guitar. I've sort of found lots of different avenues to release, to release stress and find out what works for me. I feel like it's in the last year or two I've had all of my teenage years <laughs> sort of in, in one year, just trying to learn what I like and, and what I... Um, yeah, how to how to deal with life, I guess. I love that. Yeah. And it's so it's it is such a process to figure out what's true for you, you know, mm -hmm. and it's so personal. Um, finding out like I ended up picking up hobbies I never thought I would do, like martial arts or, you know, and it's just like, huh, it's interesting. Yeah. I always actually recommend that people make a bit of a list of things that they remember liking around the age of 10 or 11 and try all those things out again. Yeah, and there's been some that I've tried and not carried on, but they've been fun to try. Like I even I even did um, archery for a little, for, had a few goes at that. Tried some golf, you know, all sorts of things, um, which is, was fun to to work out. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun fun journey when there's no pressure. Mm. About it. And it is fascinating. Like we we know really. I think each of us as humans kind of know, and, and we certainly know scientifically the things that actually do relieve stress, like exercise, getting outside, journaling, self-reflection, community, being with other people, meditation. And yet I think we have perceptions of what those things are, but all of those things can really be wrapped in a way that makes it good for us, right? Like we can try there's dozens of ways to exercise and we can just keep trying different ones until we find ones that work for us. Or there's dozens of ways to get outside, you know, and like tons of ways to think of like, there's, there's tons of different types of meditation practices, tons of different types of places to find different community. And, you know, it does take a bit of effort, but it's really worth it to sort of find those things that, that really yeah. work for your mental health. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I remember thinking at one point in time, like life is just so daily, like we have to do all this stuff every single day. And I was like, 
so frustrated by that idea that, you know, if I wasn't just medicating with alcohol, which actually made me more stressed over the long term, but in the short term, it felt like relief. If I wasn't just doing that, I was having to do what, what I'm going to have to do all of these things. I'm going to have to incorporate this whole new way of being, but there's actually so much joy in it. Like we're created to need to do things um, with each other and outside. And, and um, it becomes when you let go of this idea that like you have to, and, and you make it much more of a get to, uh, it can be really fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I find that now I'm, um, I'm enjoying so much that I'm, I'm finding it hard to cram everything in a bit now as well, but it's, but it's good, a good sort of feeling that I just want to do everything now. That's great. Well, I love this. Well, this has been such a, such a joy. So let me um, ask you the question that I finish up with, which is if you were going to go back to, to Catherine, um, and you can pick if it was really Catherine who was who was drinking a lot and feeling stuck and having regret about things she was doing, or or maybe the Catherine who was just white knuckling it and you know five years of sobriety but without any kind of mental or emotional real relief, still feeling missing out. And you would tell her what life is like now. What would you say? I think I would say to to both of them actually that you you can find peace and you will find a feeling of calm. Um, because I never believed that I could feel feel calm or ever feel truly relaxed. And I think, yeah, just to, to tell myself that you, you will get there. I love that. It's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's been really wonderful to get to know you a bit. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been good being here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how the snake and mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious. Thank you.